All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Check, but the puck comes right to Pedersen who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments no. You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes, the reporter here. Like, I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I'm one of the men in Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What a Steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off-air, let's go. Hello, Canucks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation, presented 
by the great folks at Zephyr Epic, who, by the way, will be the presenting sponsor for the Canucks conversation throughout the regular season. Zephyr has linked it back up with us. A new contract has been signed, sealed, delivered. Zephyr Epic is going to be back supporting the Canucks conversation, so be sure to support them for all of your uh, hockey cards, Pokemon cards, Magic cards. I don't think they make Digimon cards anymore, but I was a big Digimon cards fan when I was a kid. Uh, But support them, ZephyrEpic.com. Z-E-P-H-Y-R epic.com I spelled it out for you there and we're also delivered by the great folks at DoorDash best food delivery service out there use promo code Convo DD that's Convo capital DD to get 25% off your first time orders and free delivery as well 25% off 25% off even better I don't even know what I said but uh, Zephyr Epic, we're stoked to get them back on. Uh, continue to be the presenting sponsor. Love working with them. And uh, I'll be in Zephyr Epic's um, store in Surrey here pretty dang soon. We're going to do some videos and check out what's going on with the store and uh, start doing some fun promotions on social. It's going to be great. Exciting times. Exciting times. Get uh, get my face out there a little bit instead of just on the podcast here. Yeah. Speaking of, I posted some pictures. Just uh, was on vacation this past week. We'll touch on, you know, I leave for an episode and all hell hits the fan here. We'll get to that. No, it wasn't that bad. I liked your conversation with Jack Rathbone. Uh, but I uh, did a little Vancouver Island vacation. It was nice. Got to go to the island uh, with a girlfriend and her parents came and visited. We all went to the island for a day or three days. Went up to Tofino. That was hell because there's one lane of traffic and it's only open between 7 and 11 in the morning. Oh. And then after three o'clock and it's one lane. So like they let you go and then they like bring the other lane through like you, you're waiting there for a long time. Wow. And we actually got pretty lucky. We got there like just after three when the road was opening and our side was going through first. So we had a pretty good uh, way coming back, but we saw the lineup and it was kilometers and kilometers long. Cause I bet like a lot of people probably don't know that it's running like that. And they were just like, Oh, Hey, let's go to Tofino for the day. On a Tuesday, it's a good day to go up to Tofino. won't be crazy busy. And then they get to the mm-hmm. spot, and they're like, oh, there must be an accident or something. And they're just sitting there waiting for hours and hours. Wow, so I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, we didn't know either. And then uh, the Airbnb place that we were staying at mentioned it to us. So thank goodness to them. Uh, we, we were able to plan around it. And it wasn't that bad. Got to go up to Tofino, you know, uh, check out the town. Did some walking around in the town of Tofino. Beautiful place. But uh, with the added travel struggles i don't know if it was worth it in the end i was thinking parksville beach is pretty nice on its own could have just drove up there but it was nice to uh to see some waves you know west side of the island get to see some actual pacific ocean waves coming in it was good and then everyone was asking me about this you've seen this malahat skywalk yeah i was gonna ask you about that yeah lots of people were asking me everyone that i talked to like in the has posted some pictures or instagram stories and stuff I'll tell you, it's not worth it in the end. It's a very, really? very tourist attraction. Like if you're not from the island, you're not even from BC, maybe you want to go see it if you're visiting from like out of country. I, I guess I don't even know what's going on with that with visitors out of country right now. But $32 just to walk the dang thing. And like, it's cool. You you walk up, you get pretty high. You can see, you know, good view of the Malahat Valley. It's a nice view. There's a slide. Took about an hour and a half to get onto the slide. So I didn't do it. I'm not waiting an hour and a half for that. I was just lounging around, sitting in chairs, getting some sun. But pretty cool little thing, but $32 a person. That's steep. pretty expensive for a view when when you're in BC. You know, a lot of views are free. So this wasn't the best view yet. And yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't do $32. I would definitely wouldn't go again. I think it's worth it for people to go once. 
But I would even wait like a year until it slows down. This, it's going to be the same view next year. Hmm. Is it recently opened? Yeah, it just opened this summer. Oh. Like, I think it's only a month or two old now. Okay. Because I was so, going to say, I've never even heard of it. Like, yeah, no, it's it's. I've definitely just seen people new. posting it's about cool. it. It's cool. Like, it's a big wooden structure. It's cool. It's cool to see once, but I have no, no intentions of going back. Hmm. I've seen it once. I don't need to go again. There's a viewpoint, like... 500 meters down the highway that literally like you just pull off with your car you go look it's the exact same view what's the other if, if you had to pick one tourist attraction in bc we'll, we'll say worldwide one tourist attraction other than obviously this, the malahat skywalk that you go see once and you're like all right i'm done i don't need to see this ever again that's a good question because i like going up the uh the sea to sky gondola in squamish and i've done that a few times i was thinking mm. that maybe but the view is so gorgeous and like good restaurant I wouldn't put on it top on that there. List. I wouldn't put it on like the one list. Um, I don't know. I'm not a huge like outdoorsy person anyway. So every time I see something once, I'm good with that. Like uh, I don't need to see it enough. again. Fair enough. Do you I, have something in mind? No, I don't. Which is why I asked you the question. Like okay. I was thinking about it and I don't think, like I don't know. I guess the last tourist attraction I saw was the big Campbell soup can in uh, on Hornby Island. That was, that was a fun thing to see once. But it's like, I don't need to go see it again, you know? It was cool. Well, I drove by the biggest hockey stick in the world. There's I another one. I stopped and took a picture of that. But yeah, it's, it's a hockey stick. Yeah. I have the picture now. If I want to see it or I can I Google it. I guess it's hard to compare that to the Malahat Skywalk. Yeah. That, like that you know, one. If, if they charge you to take a picture of the hockey stick, then. Yeah. yeah, then we'd be talking. But yeah, I wouldn't do the Malahat Skywalk again. Hmm. I, I just can't really think of anything else that like everything else that you would like to go is normally pretty free. Like, yeah, you know, the sea to sky gondola is a little expensive to get up to the top, but you're going up and you, there's hikes at the top there, you know, there's a restaurant. So I don't think, um, I don't think that one triggers for me either. I know you're an Island kid, so maybe this isn't the case for you, but have you ever been to Dino town? Like when you were a kid, did you ever come out to Dino town? I had no idea what that is. <sighs> Dino town was so cool. And listeners of this show, Oh, I don't know if anybody's, you know, some people will have definitely been to Dino Town. They're listening. I'm to this. guessing this is in Burnaby because you've never. No, no, it, it was in Chilliwack, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, this is before I had to drive, of course. I uh, got a, got a ride out there, obviously. It's a place for kids, right? Like, I used to love Dino Town when I was a kid. And basically, Dino Town was this, like, amusement park. And there was, like, no rides. They were all just, like structures of dinosaurs and maybe i'm remembering it a little incorrectly but that place got a little run down and then by the end they moved locations and it was just like bouncy houses and that was it (laughs) and it was like 40 bucks to get in so if you go look now because i have very fond memories of the old dino town but i like recently looked online i was like oh i wonder because i knew it closed but i was like i wonder when dino town's like last review was so i go look at dino town and it's all these people being like, it was $40 for my three-year-old to come in and he couldn't go on any of the bouncy castles because of the minimum height thing. This place is a scam. And like oh, just all these horrible reviews. And it's like the bouncy house gave my child a burn because it's in the sun. And I was like, oh my goodness. And like all these horrible things being said about Dino Town, tarnishing the great name of Dino Town. And it just, it, it made me a little sad because I, I have very fond memories of Dino Town, but this place that that these reviews were describing, it was not the same place. And like, mm. at first I was so confused. I'm like, that's not how I remember it. But then there was a review that was like, this is nothing like the old one. They shouldn't have moved locations. Like, it, yeah, it's just insane to me. So this was just like a, there was, you know, dinosaur structures around. Or yeah. Like, you it know. was like a theme park. Okay. Um, 
And yeah, you just you, and you used to love the original one. I used to love the original one so much. It was like it was like playground. Think of it like there was a bunch of different playgrounds, and all the structures were dinosaur related. Hmm, that's fun. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I think with like going to places, I like if I ever go do a hike or I go up to see some site or like viewpoint, I only need to do it once. That's like, right. I don't need to do it unless I dr- can drive right to it and just sit there nicely. Two minute walk. You know, I, I've gone to that one, uh, the Burnaby one that you've recommended me. I've yes. been there a few times now. Just because it's nice to watch the sunset there onto the mountains. Oh, and when you get I was a full view of Vancouver. But when I was a teenager, like that place, it's it's freaking Daily Hive. It's Daily Hive's fault. They posted an article or whatever. Mm. You know how they always do that? Yep. They're always like, 10 places in Vancouver. Or, sorry, 10. 9 or 11. They never do 10. Nope. 9 or 11, whatever it is, places you need to check out in Metro Vancouver. And, you know, this place, I'm not even going to say the name of it because I don't want people to go there. Um, <laughs> but... They go to it and they're like, yeah, this is a great view of downtown. And I saw it was, it got on TikTok. But man, when I was in like grade eight through 11, no, eight through 10, we used to go there and nobody was up there. It was the coolest thing because it was literally. The old Burnaby makeout spot for high school quads, eh? Yeah, absolutely. No, not actually. Not at all. Um, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> I wish. Uh, <laughs> we went up there and we would go up there and it was just it was so cool because there would be like eight of us. We would just be like, hey, everybody want to meet here? Everybody want to meet? We'd go. There's that big hill there. And we would just chill, sunset, stars. It was the best. It was the best. And now you go. Now there's always people there. There's always like that one group of teenage guys that is playing their music through their car speakers like super loudly. And it's just like, it just, it pisses me off that that place got so popular. Yeah. And it's a big, it's good size little field too. Yeah. I mean, there's an area, there's an area for a lot of also, people. Also, I feel bad not saying the name because people, people probably want to know. Capitol Hill, um, Lookout. I think if you Google Capitol Hill Lookout, it'll come up. Right. Uh, it has some different name, but yeah, like I, I remember I was talking to one of the residents there. They were not happy. They I were bet. like, there's people here every area. night playing, playing music so loudly. And yeah. it's like, yeah, that's, uh, that's way tough. she goes. It's a good view. It is a good view. Yeah. Hey, talk about the episode you did with uh, Jack Rathbone. I know you just put an article out about it. Good. Yeah. Uh, good little conversation with Jack again. Yeah. What for one thing though? You're like, oh, I think you've been on the show the most here, Jack. Three, he has. Three time- no, he hasn't. Who's been more? That's a non-media member. Aiden McDonough has been on more. No, Aiden McDonough has been on three times. Four times. Has he? I think at least four. I times. counted three. That's why I told Jack it, he was tied with McDonough. I think he's been on four times and a Patreon episode. Oh, he did do a Patreon. So I, I think, think he's it's been on three. Five. I think it's three in a Patreon though. Really? It's surprising if Jack would be the the most. Well, Jack you know, always li- Jack always answers us. Yeah, that's true. He does. Yeah, he never blows us off. He always he always answers. He's always ready to come on whenever. Yeah, but we it was a him. good good chat with him. Obviously, he said a lot of things we were kind of expecting. He's excited about the. Yeah. Season excited to, to, you know, that's the thing that we hear from a lot of them is just making a tough decision for management to send him down to the AHL. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what's going to come to be. One thing that I highlighted in the story was when I asked Jack about the offseason acquisitions, he was really happy about it. And he was saying, like, you know, the context of the question was me talking about how crappy the vibe was around the team last year. And I, again, I, I prefaced by saying he, I know he wasn't there the whole season and didn't get a complete feel of it but you can feel an awkward vibe when there's an actual awkward vibe which is exactly what he walked into i think the time that he got there too that's one of the worst parts of the season yep exactly and you know just kind of talked about what it does to a team's spirits to see the management group go out and pick up players like garland and oel and 
you know, I kind of look at it in contrast with JT Miller's comments to Ben Kuzma of the province last year when Toffoli left, when Tanev left, and when Markstrom left. How Miller said it was surprising. He almost used the R word, too, when he was talking about it. I'm just saying, at the end of the day, the players want to win, and they want the best chance at winning. And I've talked about this every week about how no the Canucks needed to get better because you know there's a lot of people saying oh they didn't need to they didn't need to go all in they didn't need to improve the team like that like they they should have played the long game they were one year out of losing losing those contracts anyways the Louis Beagle one and Roussel I get that but at the end of the day they had to improve and the thing with that is is like yes the players are happy like we are going to talk to a lot of players at training camp and I'm going to be asking that question to a lot of players and I'm. I'm gonna. I think you're gonna be hard pressed to find a player that says, you know, these are great acquisitions, but I really wish we kept that first round pick. Like, I don't think you're gonna find a player that says that. But that being said, like, I had a lot of people replying and saying, see, like, the the players love this. Like, good job, Jimbo. And it's like, yes, good, good, good piece of work getting Garland for sure. But the Canucks also painted themselves into this corner, right? Like, they didn't have a choice, and it wasn't like. I guess the thing I'm trying to say is it's not an unforced error, if that makes sense. Like, they put themselves in this position where their team was so bad that they had to really just swallow their pride, give up a first-round pick, and improve their team now because they had no other option. And whether you want to applaud the management group for that, like, you, you can, I, I think I think you and I both think that the team is a lot better, and I think at the end of the day, that's that's all that matters um, for these players. Like they they want to be on a winning team, but I get why you're concerned about the future as well when you look at what's coming and how you know Rathbone and Podkolzin are graduating this year. And there you go. Like, what's your prospect covered after that? Yeah, I think one of the things that we've had a problem with the way that Jim Benning has run the team over his eight years is that a lot of the times it's like he forces himself on a one-way street. Like a lot of the time when you, you see the players that he went out and signed, those are guys that were going to have to play out their contract in Vancouver. You weren't going to be able to you know, trade Jay Beagle for a draft pick, trade Antoine Roussel for a draft pick, you know, trade Tyler value. Myers for a draft pick. Yeah. Like when he has gone directions, it's... You know, it's just like I said, it's a one-way street. It's not like there's really, you know, exits for him to turn off. And the exits that he has to take are going out there and making a massive swing for an Oliver ekman Larson and bringing in a Connor Garland, which, yes, it improves the team quite a bit. But like you said, now this team has to 100% focus on just, you know, being, being in the here and now, living day to day, making this team, everything about this organization is focused on this season and winning this season, which isn't, a bad thing. I no. mean, I you know, as a person who covers this team, I want to cover a team that's trying to make the playoffs. Yeah, but I also want to cover a team that gets to a Stanley Cup final and wins the Stanley Cup final. And this route that they're going is is pushing a lot of chips into what they have going on right now. So it's going to be interesting to see how this season goes, and then from this season on as well, uh, to see how they were able to bring in more players, more young players. I mean, we talked about it before recording. You know, what are the odds that they move next year's first round pick? Yeah, I you think know, high. I, I don't think it's high because I don't think they can bring in a lot of money. I think, honestly, I think that first-round pick's gone by the deadline. Mm-hmm. If they're in a position where they're on the cusp, and why wouldn't you? Like, do, like I'm sorry, but if you're, if you're like that. a second in the Pacific or you're maybe first, whatever, if you're like in a spot where you're going to make the playoffs, 
do you not try to improve this year's team, or do you still try to keep an eye on the future? I think if you're second in the Pacific and you're 100% secure in the playoffs, maybe. Like, they've already gone all in on this season, but I think they're going to have another chance to go yeah, all in er if that makes sense. Or, yeah, no, you need, but you need something to back that you up. You do. I agree. Because, I agree. Man, if you just go all in for this season and it doesn't happen, yeah. what if you have another situation where you trade for a player that's in a Tyler Toffoli spot for the Canucks, yeah. where he comes in and doesn't come back to the team next year? Ooh. I think that you need that first round pick to you be do. something that you hit on. But at the same time, like if you are drafting, let's say the Canucks make it to you know, make it to the second round of the playoffs and get bounced. Then their draft picks 23rd overall, 25th overall, somewhere around there. It's not, you know, then you think like, hmm, maybe the trade value would have been worth it to be able to get a player that maybe you have under cost control for a couple of years. Like first round picks are so, I think the value of a first round pick is so different from like, look at the way that the Canucks traded this one. You knew it was ninth overall. And then if you were to trade next year's pick tomorrow, you don't know where that pick's going to land. But if you trade that at the deadline, you know in the range of where that pick's yes. going to be. So the Canucks' first-round pick today is very different than what it's going to be valued at at the trade deadline. But it's still a first-round pick, and it's still going to get you a good player. Exactly. So I I think it's it's possible for them to move it, but I'm not in the same... I'm not in the same camp as you because I think you can really get a good player in the top 25 of the draft. I think so too. I think they should keep it. I think they should keep it. I think the chances are low. I think that pick's getting moved. Yeah, I don't know. They're going to have to be... I mean, Jim Benning had... like For all that Jim Benning gets crapped on, man, the dude is not afraid to to go out and make moves. Aggressive Jim, right? man. Aggressive Jim, when he turns that light switch on, puts on a fresh, fresh set of uh, just for men, gets nice and dark. And believe me, I've done it. I've done it myself. I've used the Just for Men on the beard. It so gives you more confidence. Remember when I did it on my mustache? Yeah, those, those photos. Hairs. Will, those photos will never, never see the light of day. Maybe well, Patreon. Those. Maybe Patreon. Yeah, maybe. I. Uh, but yeah, I'll tell you, man. You do get the confidence when the Just for Men hits. I'll tell you, I've done it before. I did not find that to be the case. I, I'll show you. I think I'll show you a picture of my beard. You know that that I had when I actually put the Just for Men real black in. Look like a different person. I got to see this. It now. looks good. Uh, but yeah, I mean. You know, he has not been afraid to be aggressive. And yeah, I mean, it's very possible that they trade next year's first round pick, but what, they already don't have a second next year? Yeah, exactly. You know, are you going to go another year without a first and a second and making your first pick and third? I don't think they can do that. That's why I don't think they can get rid of their first I don't think they should either. And I think the way that I look at it is the best teams and the teams that are winning cups, the teams that are going deep in the playoffs, they all have contributing players on ELCs, which is why I think it was so frustrating for fans to see Quinn Hughes and Elias Patterson, arguably the two best players in the league that are still on ELCs together on ELCs at the same time and see the team not able to capitalize on that. Like that, that sucks. That just sucks. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the thing, but like, Yes, they weren't able to to become a playoff team. They got that run. I mean, the bubble yep, run that they the got that run. was something that you got on the ELC. It's not like it's not like every really good player on an ELC does get a playoff run. Yeah, right? exactly. Most most don't. Yep. Because think about how bad teams are that are drafting players that high that make that much of imp- impact on their ELCs. A lot of them don't. Right. I mean, the Canucks are about to have players on the ELCs making a, a big contribution to this. I mean, you're gonna have Niels Hoglander. You're gonna have Vasily Pod Colson. You know, even this year, you're going to have Jack Rathbone before he 
ends up uh, having to do a, re- a new s- contract extension for next season. So there are still some players here on an ELC. And those, you know, you look at teams that are going into the playoffs and the teams that end up making the Stanley Cup Finals, yes, their ELC players are making a difference, but they're probably not the co- top contributors. And I think that's the part about Pedersen and Hughes that's disappointing was like they were the best players on the team and they were on ELCs. A lot of the time, yeah. like, you look at Montreal, some ELCs that they had going off into the Stanley Cup final. I mean, they weren't the best players on the team, but damn, yep. they were making a difference on a very low cap hit. Exactly. And the Canucks are going to have that in Pod Colson. Like, I, I think it's fair to say that Pod Colson won't be the best player on the team, but he'll be a contributor. He'll actually matter to this team. And having him on an ELC again, you got a guy like Nils Hoglander again on an ELC, like this matters. The Canucks have two of these guys right there. I don't want to put Rathbone in that conversation, but you've got these two guys there. So then it begs the question again, Chris, do you go all in on this year? Like, do you move that first round pick? Because you have two guys on ELCs who are going to contribute. Do you make that move? Like how far away is this team from being an actual cup contender? Here's the thing. You like, you sound so confident, but where's the salary cap space coming from to add a guy who, you know, a contributing player is going to help your top six. That's kind of what or a top four guy. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be a guy making over $4 million. Where's that cap So, okay, from? so what if you find a way to move out Tyler Myers and pull in a right-handed defenseman, throwing a first-round pick on it as well? Well, you got to throw a first-round pick at least on Tyler Myers to get him out of yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, like that's... Aaron Eckblad, make it happen. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, like... Just That's, throwing out names. Honestly, man, like I hate to I hate to go down this road, but is that not the best way to use your first round pick is to to get oh. t- get rid of Tyler Myers with it? No. It's not the best way. No, the best way to use Six the first million round dollars pick, of cap no, for three no. more years after this year. No, the best know. way to use that first round pick is by drafting a player. Yeah, for sure. For sure, but that's a lot of money. It is. Tyler Myers is going to be making the the thing about Tyler Myers that's different from Louis Erickson is that he's playing and he makes a difference. Yeah. Right, and I know you're a Tyler Myers stan over here. I don't know why you must have stood. Have you ever? You've never stood by him. I tell you, he's a tall man. Uh, for people who don't know, Tyler Myers is tall. He's very tall. The thing, like that's the thing that I'm so worried about because not only Tyler Myers makes too much money, he's also not a good fit with the left shot defenseman mm-hmm. they have that they're going to have. Like we talked about this, I think you somewhat you said someone in the comments was like Rathbone's not going to get his time. We have all these offensive defensemen, you know. The only way Rathbone gets time is if Tyler Myers gets moved, Oliver Ekman Larson gets moved, or Quinn Hughes gets moved. And it's like, none of those guys are going anywhere anytime yeah, soon. Exactly. Ekman Larson's here for a long time. You know, Tyler Myers is still here for a few more years, even after this year. I mean, that's the thing is like, Tyler Myers is going to have to change his game, or he's going to have to be a player that you can somehow move on to. And I don't think that, I don't think it takes a first to, like, does it. I don't think it takes a first to get rid of Tyler Myers. I think there's still a little bit of value somewhere. You know, you, you hold on to maybe a little bit of the money for the rest of the contract. Maybe you you obviously have to attach something to him to get him gone, but I still think that there's enough value from Tyler Myers that, you know, like I said, it. I, I don't think Seattle would have picked him at the expansion draft, but I still would have exposed him there because mm. I still think you can go find another player on the market. But Tyler, it's going to be, you know, this year needs to be a huge bounce back from Tyler Myers. You know, even when Tyler Myers showed some worth on this Canucks team was when the Canucks were down and they played Quinn Hughes with them two years ago, and they were very good together. They were excellent together at creating offense. Obviously, it was chaotic in the defenses yeah. of those two together. 
But that's something I actually want to get to in the second half of the episode is how Tyler Myers and, and Quinn Hughes can work together to kind of get back to how that, that really helps the team when you're losing and you need an ultra-offensive pairing. That's the pairing that you got to go with. Yeah, they don't have Schmidt anymore. They don't exactly. have Schmidt to do that. So Exactly. And I, I think it's crazy because Schmidt, you know, you still get a pick back for him. You get a third-round yep. pick for him. It's like completely opposite in my mind to think Tyler Myers would be able to just get a third-round pick. Like, you know, would that not make sense? Like, how much more valuable is Nate Schmidt than Tyler Myers? Their contracts are almost the same. Yeah, but Schmidt has a history as a 2-3 guy. Right. And he had a, he's had a bad year. I think yeah. Winnipeg's just bounced. Yeah, and I think that, that might back. be the hard part of looking at it this year. But if what if you have a bounce back here from Tyler Myers and maybe he has some value next year? You yeah. got, he's a guy that needs to needs to start making that $6 million worth it because that's a big cap hit. I'm here for the Tyler Myers love. I know you are. I know you are. You want him to play 28 minutes a night. You want him to have seven-minute shifts. You That's your favorite part watching a Canucks Give me game. that Myers shift clock. When the clock. Myers shift clock comes down and he's at over four minutes, Quads is just loving that. <laughs> he's bouncing. All right, we'll go to a quick break here. We got a lot of stuff I actually want to get into on the other side. Missed, uh, missed a week last week, and, and you're gone next week as well. So we got a lot to yeah. get into uh, before the little vacation that's coming up here. So we'll send you a quick ad break and we'll meet you guys on the other side to dive into a few other Canucks topics. All right, folks, that's right. We got a new ad finally here for Parallel 4-9 Beer. You want to get down to the street kitchen, folks. It's more than just a street kitchen now. Now it is a full-on beer gardens. Absolutely beautiful. You've seen Quads and I tweeting about it. The food's amazing. A ton of beers on tap. Quads as well. You've had uh, not only beers, but what other drinks did you like there? Had the Muddler's Pink Lemonade. That was very good. You need to go get the food, though. The food at the Parallel 49th Street Kitchen, ridiculous. What did we eat that one day? Poutine, cheeseburger. Well, I ate it all. Waffle fries, and then we got those Korean barbecue wings. Yeah, the spicy chicken burger. That's my go-to. But what you do, a little trick for everyone, you swap out the jalapenos for their pickled cucumbers. Very, very good. Highly recommend that. That's down at 1950 Triumph Street off an East Van. That's Parallel 49 at 1950 Triumph Street. Check them out in East Van and go down and try some beers and be sure to get some food down on that beautiful patio. The pandemic and a slow economy are making it tough on a lot of people to find steady, good-paying work. But one industry is bucking that trend. Construction companies are hiring and need more workers than ever before. Upload your resume to icba.ca and get noticed. With more than 3,000 employers on our ICBA team, our employment network can connect you to businesses crewing up for the 2021 construction season. Trades jobs that pay well, offer excellent benefits, invest in safety training, and give a firm career foundation. Check out icba.ca slash jobs. Squish Beverage, my new favorite drink of the summer. Absolutely crushable. The right drink to bring down to the beach, the right drink to bring down to the river, camping, whatever you're doing this summer. Squish is the beverage for you. They have original hard seltzers and a bunch of different flavors, but the lemonade ones, those are my favorite quads. Me too. I can drink more than one of those. They're crushable. Which is good. So when you go down to the beach, you're bringing how many? More than one. More than Unlike one. last time. Absolutely. This is the hard seltzer for you. This is the hard seltzer for summer. Go out and try Squish. You can find their original flavors of hard seltzer at BC Liquor Stores. But if you want to do a little bit of digging, that's where you're going to find the lemonades. My favorite. And you can find those at private liquor stores all across British Columbia. And a big thank you to all of our sponsors here on the Canucks Conversation. Very excited to have the local support from some great local companies, of course. Quad's local team is what we want to get into here. And there's a there's a lot. I mean, since that we've recorded last together, you know, the Jason Dickinson deal has come through. Tidy piece of business. 
Tidy. is the way to call it. <laughs> people are getting tired of hearing that. I think at this point, people have to understand it's a joke. Yeah. We're saying tidy this much. Yes. My cousin called that contract, by the way. Texted me. Yeah. He literally texted me the night before it was signed. He goes, I think it's three years at 2.65. Mm-hmm. And when it was announced, I was like, oh, this guy actually called it. Like, like down to the 2.65. Was your cousin's last name Aquilini? No. No, no it is not. No. You don't have a, a DeVito Aquilini in DeVito the family? DeVito Aquilini. No. Nothing like that. His name's Francesco, though, which is equally Italian. Well, that's not surprising, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into it. I mean, just I think it's a deal that a lot of people were hoping for, a lot of people were expecting, and it kind of came where a lot of people thought in the original value was going to be, and the term as well. I think a lot of people were thinking three years. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when we were talking about the contract, we were talking about like what Dickinson would look for in arbitration, and for them to avoid arbitration, it's pretty nice. That's pretty, dare I say it? Tidy piece of business. Yeah, and Dickinson said like there was no thought of them going to arbitration. Yeah, yeah. that's what he said on six fifty when he was on there. And yeah, of course not. I mean this this was a deal that was going to get done, and we're yep. glad it got done. It's just it's been strange. Obviously, we we're not spending a lot of time talking about the Pedersen Hughes contracts. It's always on the back of the mind. If if it's not done, and you know, I think the the guy to look to for this is Rick Dollywall. Of course, talks you know Rick Dollywall of Newport Sports and CAA yeah. every morning. Every Jamie morning, Barry, how are you? <laughs> Oh man, him talking about how he sent him that fake Louis is retiring tweet and yeah. then how JP was not happy with them. I was like, man, that, that's a tough <laughs> position for Rick to be in. I feel bad for him. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, Dolly Wall, I, say, I don't, I don't follow the new Mr. Booth. You don't, I, ain't, I don't need it. I don't need that on my timeline. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I wonder how he's going to feel about that. He's been on the show a couple times. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He drive me crazy though. <laughs> that's fair. He drives me insane with all this yeah. stuff that he puts out. There. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not a Mr. Booth follower. Yeah. Okay. So Donnie and Dolly are on vacation right now. I appreciate now. what he does though. Okay. Okay. But I hate it. Okay. Easy. Okay. Donnie and Dolly are on vacation right now. They're going to be back on September 7th, I believe. Um, but they were at the golf course and they did a video. I don't know if you saw this, mm-hmm. but Dolly Wall was basically saying like, Hughes Pedersen, there's no animosity between the two sides. It's going to get done. If it's not done by mid-September, maybe start to worry, but both sides want to get to training camp and man, that makes sense. Like if you're Elias Patterson and I've heard a lot of people suggest closer to the situation than I am that Patterson really wanted to come back at the end of next year or at the end of last season. And he basically was just told, no, just, just sit this one out and recover. Like we want you ready for next season. You know, we know what kind of competitor is. He wanted to be back on the ice. There's no question in my mind. So for him to miss the start of training camp, I would not be surprised, again, not reporting anything, would not be surprised if Elias is telling his agent, like, look, I want to get this done, but we need to we need to make sure that I'm there for training camp. Like, I want what I'm worth, but I got to be there for training camp. And I think yeah. Henrik kind of alluded to that, that the two sides are going to work together. Like, you know, JP Berry, everybody knows this, I think, same agent that represented Daniel and Henrik for all their careers. And Henrik was on the van cast with Thomas Drance. And he was talking about being on the other side of that and like talking to JP because we've heard that when Henrik and Daniel were considering their roles with the Canucks, they were talking to JP Barry for advice. Like, you know, I, I don't know if he got a cut of what they're making now. I don't think he's still officially their agent, but you know, Lifelong friend. Jamie Barry's going to be the next GM of the Canucks <laughs> for all the deals he's pulled there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know. And, and man, how about Drance's guest list on Van Kessel? That's been great. Who he's does he get next? Like he's, yeah. <laughs> who's, like, is it Daniel. Benning? Look is at it Daniel. Benning next? 
Oh man, I want to have I want to have betting on the show. I was I was talking to my yeah. brother about this. And I was like, you know, like you think about how much fun we have when we have guys on, and like we don't throw people curveballs. We we don't you know we're not gonna be like Jim. It's it, it's year eight. What's going on? Like that's I don't know. I just want I just want to have Jim on. And be like Jim. What's your favorite type of sandwich? Yeah. Just just get to know Jim the person. Yeah, I know. I know. It's like you know I I try and always have fun on the Zoom calls. But yeah. like when you get Jim Benny, you can't. You like can't. that's when you gotta get yeah, your questions exactly. in. They're burning questions. Yeah. But maybe like if he starts doing like more Zoom calls or more, he's gonna, he's gonna come on the podcast. If yeah, or he comes on the podcast, you know, I'll yeah. I'll be able to have some fun. Maybe I'll throw a Warzone question out to him. <laughs> yeah, so, I'm so. sure he'll he'll respond well. To <laughs> yeah, that. he ain't going on a Warzone. I heard he's a big fan of Granville Island. A lot of people have really? seen him at Granville Island. Yeah. Mm. And how could you not? Granville Island's fantastic. I love Granville Island, man. Yeah. That's my that's my favorite spot to visit around yeah. here. Exactly. Favorite spot. I get the uh, kebabs. I get the kebabs. I get the meatballs. Nice. That's my go-to now. I still... And the pesto. I don't know which uh, which place it is. It's a little pesto salad on the corner, kind of right by the eatery outside there. Huh. It's a little... Uh, they just... All the little delis, all the little salads. I like the little side salad. I'll get... Yeah. I'll go there. I'll get maybe three. I'll get three different side salads. A little pasta salad, a little, you know, actual real salad, and then some other salad. And man, I'll just, I'll just have a few sides. Have you gone to the arcade at Granville Island? No, I haven't. I went there. It was fun. It was yeah, great. You, yeah, I'd be surprised. You, cr- you probably just last year's first time you crossed over from the child's uh, corner there. Yeah, I was still at the child's corner last time. <laughs> yeah, that's probably where the arcade is. Now that I think <laughs> it about is. It. it is. It's in there. Yeah, it was great. I went on like a Tuesday morning. There was nobody there. It was great. It was just me and the arcade. I went to Tawasson Mills right before I left on vacation because it was about the ferry. I had yeah. an hour to kill, and the way that I set it up was, you know, Make sure we're an hour early because there's an Arby's out there. Took the girlfriend to Arby's. She wasn't a fan. I loved it. I had three, I had three sandwiches on the side. It was, uh, it was good. And then um, I was walking through the mall at Tawas Mills, and there's this one. It was just, it was like a one of the bigger stores, like not like sport check size or winner mm-hmm. size, but like the bigger store in the middle of the mall. And it was just arcade games. Wow, really? Yeah, it was like a big, big area of just arcade games. I think it was just called like Arcade Zone or something. You know what? I haven't been to Tawas and Mills. In years, I went to Tawasin Mills about two years ago, mm. and I just went to the sports card store there. Not going to say their name because no free ads. Zephyr Epic is the only place we buy sports oh, cards now. Of course. But that was that was the only place I went in there. I just went to the sports card store and looked around, and yeah. I was there for like a I, solid. I know which hour, one you're talking about. Yeah, I've two hours. Yeah, we, they have uh, they have a hockey, a full hockey store out there too. Really, hockey pro hockey life. I think it's called. wow. Just a full store of hockey stuff. I cool should have explored like, that uh, place more. Yeah, like I was thinking, I was like, wouldn't mind picking up just like a Bauer or CCM hoodie? I could rock that. Hmm. Never, uh, never really thought. Of that. And the Bass Pro, like Bass Pro out there, man. There, when that place opened and the Bass Pro was like one, obviously the big like main attraction yeah. for people to come into. People were taking the ferry. They had shuttles. Like Bass Pro was doing shuttles just from down the road of the ferry to get <laughs> you in there to go to Bass Pro. Like it was crazy opening weekend. That's amazing. Uh, all right, there's we'll get into, we'll get into some hockey stuff again to close out here. Uh, I do have a little bit of prospect stuff later on, but the thing that I wanted to bring up, and this is something that I have like I haven't heard this talked about anywhere, or or you know nobody's wrote about this either, but. I was thinking, what if, you know, defense pairings, we all kind of think it's going to be Quinn Hughes, it's going to be Travis Hamanek. Sounds like it's going to be OEL and Pullman, and then, you know, one of Rathbone, Yalevi, Hunt, and then playing with Tyler Myers on a third pairing. But I was thinking, like, we do see pairings change throughout the season, whether it be from injury or just bad play. Would you be surprised at all to see Pullman get a run with Quinn Hughes? I was thinking this out as a top four I wonder if this top four is more balanced to see 
Pullman, who really is not going to affect anything offensively, just going to be sturdy in his defensive zone, defend the rush well, defend the front of the net well. Would it not make sense to have Hamannick be OEL's partner? And then Pullman play with Quinn Hughes. Stylistically, I like that. It's a lot. It makes a lot it, of sense stylistically, and I haven't heard anyone say this. Well, yet. are you confident? Because I think they're more confident. And again, we're just we're just basing this because Drance reported it, and we're assuming he's talking to Travis. Um, but are you comfortable with Pullman and Hughes as your shutdown pair? Well, here's what I was thinking. Yeah, how are, how are you using these lines? What I was thinking was your first pairing getting the most five-on-five five minutes ends up being OEL and Travis Hamannick. And then what I was thinking was the other pairings that will be mixed up are when you need some offense, Quinn Hughes plays with Tyler Myers. And this is something that I brought up earlier in the episode is if you want to just, you know, if you get a chance where the lot of lines out there and you want to give all the most opportunities to create offense in the offensive zone, score goals, put out Quinn Hughes with Tyler Myers on that shift. And then if it's just Quinn Hughes playing with, you know, a second line, third line, fourth line, whatever he's with, keep it with Pullman. Or even if there's times with the lot of line, just keep Pullman out there. But have the option to go with Tyler Myers and Quinn Hughes to help add some offense when you have your top scoring lines out there. And I think with this situation, you just you make your shutdown line be OEL and Travis Hamannick. So I think Hamannick is going to be the most dependable right shot defenseman in the defensive zone. Right, like he's going to be the number one trusted right shot shutdown guy, and that doesn't sound great for a hockey team. But if he's playing with OEL, maybe you can get the best defensively out of him because Hamnick you can really trust defensively. You know, yeah. even though he probably shouldn't be your top pairing guy, you can trust him as a second pairing, third pairing shutdown guy. So I I thought of this idea because maybe Pullman doesn't get a ton of minutes, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with Harm. Where does Tyler Myers get all these minutes? He ends up finishing a game with 21 yeah. minutes, he's, even though he's on a third pairing. This is the kind of situation where I see it happening, where Hughes probably spends you know 12 minutes of five-on-five five time with Pullman. He ends up spending maybe four to five minutes with Tyler Myers. Gets you know not not a lot, three four shifts a game, three to five shifts. If they're losing, you run them out more, but three to five shifts with Tyler Myers, and then he ends up playing you know 10 to 15 shifts at five-on-five five with Pullman. And that was kind of how I saw some added minutes for Tyler Myers getting some value out of his money. And, you know, that's kind of how I saw it working out. But it's going to depend on if Hamannick could play with OEL on a true shutdown pairing. Yeah. I, I wonder what we see out of camp. I think I think we are going to see OEL and Pullman out of camp. But do you think there beco- there comes a point when they switch that up? Like, we've talked about this before. And Travis has talked about this, how they would like to have their lineup set. Like, we are going to see the set Vancouver Canucks lineup in at least two or three preseason games. I think that's safe to say. They want to get it done earlier. The importance of these games is through the roof. They were shown by not having any of them last year and how how much the team struggled to gel with each other out of the game. When you have so much, like... Quinn Hughes is the longest tenured Canucks defenseman now. Like, let that sink in. That makes me feel old. When that's the case, and you have yeah. all these new faces, they have to mesh together. Like, they have to get a chance to learn the system. They got to have a chance to play together. And I think in the preseason, we're going to see them a lot sooner than we have in years past together. And we're going to see the full lineup. And we're going to, you're going to see it right away. So, 
that in mind, how much do they play around with it? Like, how much do they say, oh, maybe Pullman can slip here? Or is it just, OEL's here, we're not looking back, he's playing with Pullman? Yeah, I think the only thing is, like, everybody's, to your point, and I guess kind of, I'm kind of looking at it from the other end, like, everybody's set on Quinn Hughes going back with Travis Hamnick. Everybody. Like, everybody thinks that's what's going to be apparent. They played together last year. They developed some chemistry near the end of the year. But what if Pullman is just a little bit of a better fit with Hughes? We don't know. We haven't seen them play yep. together. And if you're going to have Pullman coming in for a four-year deal, there's going to be times where eventually he's going to play with Quinn Hughes. Over those four years, at some point, he's going to get some minutes with Quinn Hughes. What if that is a good fit in the end? I mean, you know, Travis Hamannick's good. He sticks up for his players that we saw last year. You saw him drop the gloves at times. Uh, it's just like, is Pullman maybe a little bit of a, maybe a little bit more mobile than Travis Hamannick? Because from what I've seen with Pullman, I think he is. Like, I think yeah, he's I a think little so. bit of a better skater. And if he can hold his own defensively in a similar way to Hamannick, it might make more sense to have Quinn Hughes play with that guy. Yeah, it just, with that in mind, does it also make more sense to have him with OEL? Because then at least you have one guy, like... I'm not trying to sit here and dunk on OEL, but if I have a winger bursting down the wing and I can choose either Hughes or OEL to defend it, I think you're still taking Hughes. Just purely off of skating ability, I think you're still taking Hughes. And who needs who needs to be covered for more, OEL or Hughes? I think it's a lot closer than people think. Yeah, I think, I think both the edge it. still goes to OEL, but I wonder, and Kevin Woodley was talking about this a few weeks when he was on the show, what? Well, that impact that Brad, that Brad Shaw is going to have. Oh, on yeah, Quinn the two Hughes. minutes you guys didn't talk about goalies. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If he, you know, and, you know, Hughes has gotten away with some stuff and played out of the system and nobody's really held him accountable. And now there's someone there that's going to, or we anticipate is going to. And, you know, Brad Shaw was on the radio talking about how he's going to fix Hughes' defensive game. Like, I think if you're a Canucks fan, you're a little more confident in Quinn Hughes, like, that he can be what he was in his rookie year. And, I don't know. I uh, who do you who needs the help more, Hughes or OEL? I really think that there's a case to be made that it's OEL that needs Pullman on his pairing. And we're this is all suggesting. What are we saying that like what I'm saying is I think that it's so locked in that Hamannick is like a better defensive defenseman. Is it though? I think so. I think that's the reason why he's playing with Quinn Hughes. Hmm. And I just think that maybe. There's there's room for two veterans who, you know, Hamannick was a heck of a defender when he was younger. Yes. You know, and I obviously OEL was as well. Yep. I just think that maybe that's a pairing that could somehow gel together and be the veteran defense. If you're looking to have the shutdown pairing, you probably want some veterans there. It makes yeah. sense to me to have those two play together. If it's two players that understand how the NHL works and how to, you know, be a shutdown pairing in the NHL, I would have more confidence in a Hamannick OEL than I would with an OEL Pullman to yeah. me, just from like a shutdown pairing. And that's basing it off the, uh, like, uh, you know, to add to that, we just don't know what Pullman Hughes looks exactly. like. So I wouldn't hate to see that in a couple of preseason games. If see this Hughes was, play with Pullman. If this was NHL 16 franchise mode and the Canucks had OEL and Hamannick, oh, that's like a 90 overall defense. Yeah, that would be an excellent defense. And then you throw Quinn Hughes in there, but he'd be like 15. 14 time. or 15. When yeah. That so yeah, out. that would be a tough look. But yeah. I just, I just, I've, I haven't heard anybody talk about Pullman even having the chance playing with Quinn Hughes. I just don't think that that, I think it should be, you know, mentioned anyways. I think it should I be looked at. Pairing. I think it should be looked at. I think it's a pairing that you have a little bit more 
mobility with Pullman. Though he may not be the stay-at-home defenseman as much as Hamannick is, I think he is. Like, you know, Pullman doesn't take penalties. He does, yeah. you know, a good job of kind of keeping guys away from the crease. That's parts that I've liked about his game. But I do think that there's there's a real, like, buy-in from Pullman about being, you know, I talk about this all the time, secondary puck movers. Primary puck mover has to be Quinn Hughes. I really think there's a huge buy-in from Pullman about that, that he doesn't he doesn't want to be the guy making the breakout pass. You know, Quinn Hughes has got to be that guy. He just got he just has to get the puck to him or get the puck to the closest forward. And I think that it's something that you know I think maybe should be floated through training camp as well. And I don't, I don't want it to shock everyone when we see that pairing maybe come together because I wouldn't be surprised to see it at some point during the season at all. Like if they're struggling, if they lose, you know, six of seven. And you have the pairings just kind of as we expect it. Why would you not try that? Like, why would you not switch to, you know, switch Pullman and Hamannick around? It just makes a lot of sense to me, and it's something that hasn't been brought up. Just a, you know, just floating an idea. You are out floating there. it out there, and I like it. I like the idea. They need to look at it at training camp. I agree with you. Yeah. All right. We'll get into a little bit of a prospects report here. Uh, you know, some overseas hockey going down. It's going down. Uh, we got the uh, Hugo Gabrielson scored today on Friday morning. Uh, in his first preseason action with the all Svenskin team. Good for him to get on the board early, get a little confidence. He sounds like he's loving uh, being a part of that team. He's going to have a lot of time, and he's playing the left side. He played a lot of the right side last year. He's playing the left side right now. Uh, Lucas Forcell, not looking great for his SHL chances. Hasn't played an SHL game yet. He's getting games in with the J20 team, which is good. If he goes back to J20, he's going to absolutely dominate there. Uh, but not a lot of other guys playing. The Finnish guys have started their preseason. Like, they're going to start cranking out pretty soon here. I haven't really been watching a lot of the Finnish guys because, I'll be honest, not a lot of, you know, Utenen doesn't really excite me. Yashik, I'm not really sure what his future is with the Canucks. Uh, and then Yermo, I, man, from what I saw last year with Yermo, I don't know. I'm going to have to watch again this year, but I just didn't like a lot what I saw from Yermo. So he's he's down on my list. But I'm excited for NCAA to get cranking up too, man. You know, once we get, uh, I'm excited to see Jack Malone get back in action. He was a guy that I really liked uh, before his his season got shut down at Cornell and he wasn't able to play. I had to go back to the USHL. I liked a lot of Jack Malone. I think he can skate. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does at the NCAA level. That'll be the toughest level of competition he's played against. So Malone's a guy I'm excited for. Obviously McDonough to get him back into action. And uh, and just everything with overseas. His prospects are cranking up now. It's good to see, uh, good to watch some hockey again. And you know what? No Russia games so far. Like, I've watched a little bit of Zlodiev, which are 3 o'clock games. Man, those are not, 3 a.m. games have not been fun. Mm-hmm. But a lot of Swedish and Finnish, I love it. It's 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock starts. I don't have to wake up for 5, 6 in the morning for Pod Colson anymore. That's what I'm excited about. So we'll see what Zlodiev can do. So far, Zlodiev's looking pretty good at that KHL spot. It's going to be still going to be difficult for him to do it. But, man, if he can crack the KHL team out of camp, He's looking like the fourth-line center. He's battling for that role right now. So if he can crack that, that's a big step up for for a kid who you know still is going to play in the World Juniors this year. He's going to be 19 years old, potentially playing in the KHL. Huge for Zlodiev. Got a prospect report myself. Yeah? Aku Koskin-Vuau. Okay. Uh, selected to the Finnish team as the third goaltender, I think. Um, <laughs> I think. Yeah. I think he was, well, I, I meant he's, I think he's going to be the third goal. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I he was like, selected. Here's my report. You give it? I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm anticipating he'll be the third goaltender. That's what I meant. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Akukoskiambo selected. He's to not going to win team. the job out of a camp? 
I don't think so. I honestly think he's going to end up good in the third. He's, you know what? It's good experience, and he's still a ways away. Like he is going to come to Harvard, and that's going to be a big learning year for him. Like I don't even know if he's going to come in and just light the world on fire at Harvard. I think this is a guy that's going to take. It's going to take a while, but there's nothing wrong with that. Like Elvis Merzlikens, you look at his development path. Took him a while to get to the NHL, right? And you know. This is a guy that Ian Clark is very high on because of his abilities, his natural raw talent, and all these intangibles that Ian says are just in his experience in the game are very difficult to teach guys. But when they have it naturally, targeting those guys, you can teach them the other stuff that, you know, Ian called it the tangibles, those things that you can teach. The guys that play and don't have a ton of structure in their game, but they have all these natural abilities. Like Ian and I were talking about this and just the philosophy and targeting prospect goaltenders. And we're talking about the North American style and how goalies go to goalie schools Mm. when they're like nine or 10. Right. it's like, they're learning all these technical abilities. And Ian was like, but hockey is too random for you to study every single thing that's going to happen. You don't know, like, something could happen where you have to rely on your natural instincts and your natural abilities. And if you don't have those because you've been taught like from such a young age, all these technical abilities and how to, how to properly make this safe. If there's a time where you have to sprawl across the crease, you're not ready for that. Like you don't have that. So Ian likes those guys that aren't, you know, aren't brought up with these amazing technical abilities, but have all these raw natural attributes that they've been forced to develop. Like Askarov. Um, yeah, well, <laughs> even him, that's another guy, you know, he, uh, funny he's got the, really good agility and really good reflexes. Yeah. And those are intangibles for the people at home. This is the only time of the whole podcast recording where you've gone like full Italian. and you start talking, you were switching the mic from hand to hand using your hands and talking <laughs> like that. He doesn't do that for the rest of the podcast. That's just when he starts talking about goalies here. We gotta you get were a- switching hands of mic to use your hands to talk there. <laughs> You wish you had two hands. You got to get a mic stand mic for when you stand talk goalies. so I can talk Italian. Yeah. Hey, before we wrap up, um, I don't know how much you want to say about it, but yeah, so going I'm, on your first flight and you're doing it for work. Some exciting stuff yes. coming up. I, so, do you want to say why? Yes. So okay. I'm taking a taking a vacation because I, I someone pointed this out to me because I was like, you know, you've taken some vacation time, which is fine. And people were like, I was I've taking five days of vacation. I, was, I know, but people were in like, a year. Oh, well, you you left too, and I was like, when did I leave? So I got wisdom teeth surgery. That's not a vacation. That is medical leave. Okay. So I've never taken a vacation from this show. You went to Hornby. And that was last year. Okay. That was a year. I get, I get more than one vacation. I get one a year. I tell you right now, like as the, as the creator of the show, <laughs> we only get five days vacation time a year. That's all you get. Oh my gosh. You well, got to use them very carefully. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I'll be missing the two episodes coming up this week. Uh, and then on, I don't know exactly which day yet, but I'll be I'll be gone in Edmonton at the start of next week. Uh, going to Nation Network HQ to make a fun announcement. I won't make it yet. Won't jump the gun. Probably the world's worst kept secret because I've brought it up like six times yeah. over the last like five months, but it's finally happening, and I'm I'm very excited. So yeah, flying out to Edmonton. There's going to be some hype online, from what I hear. There is going to be some hype online. Very okay. exciting. Excited for that. I and mean, first time you've been on a flight, right? Yeah. I've, uh, last time I flew, I was three and we went to Manitoba and I don't remember it at all. So it's going to be really fun. I'm really excited to fly. Are you allergic to pretzels? You can't eat pretzels? 
No, I can eat pretzels. Well, there you go. Pretzels on the floor. You get a free thing of pretzels, a little oh, bag. Nice. Some ginger ale to wash it down. Nice. Probably you, bring my water bottle and just have that. Yeah, well, whatever you want, <laughs> you know. I would I go with the pretzels. They're good. I like the little mini pretzels they the, give you on the flights here. The funny part is, and I'll be back on in time for Wednesday's show, like on September 1st when we record, and you're picking me up from the airport, which is pretty funny because I was looking at the times. So I leave at 2.55 from the Edmonton airport, 2.55 local in Edmonton. And then I get back at 3.15. Like when I land, it'll only be 3.15 here. Yeah. So I'm like, I was looking at that and I was like, what? Wait, why am I only like this flight's so short? But then I was like, oh no, time zones. That's how that works. There's flights right now from Abbotsford to Calgary for nineteen dollars. That's insane. Yeah. When I was like, oh, nice, uh, you know, Nation Network flying you out for some big deal. They probably paid twenty two dollars for your <laughs> flight. <laughs> they don't really care. That's chump change to them. But oh uh, yeah, no, that would be good. I'm excited for you to get over there, uh, get on a plane, and and do some. Some work with the higher ups, yeah, the Canucks Army, the, the top notch people there. New offices at Nation Network. They yeah. just got new office buildings. You'll we'll have, so. you have to post some pictures on yeah. Twitter. There was once a time when I was going to move out there for this job, and I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, I say that would have been a mistake. Jay, downtown Jay, friend of the show. You wanted to downtown with him? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to go downtown with downtown Jay. Yeah, I'm going to meet him. That's got to be a selfie you got to post. Then. Yeah, with downtown Jay. I'm pretty excited. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty You're excited have to, to be meet on a step though. Downtown Jay's a tall dude. Yeah, we already met. We already met him. Yeah. Took him to Pasta Amore. He's yeah. honestly like he's the only guy from Nation Network that I've actually met. So it'll be fun. I get to go meet Tyler, uh, the podcast guy, Tyler Garamchuk, uh, Zach Lang. Good follow on Twitter. The news guy at Nation Network. Maybe I'll even get to meet Carolyn, new hire mm-hmm. there. I think Cervalli's still in Philly, so I don't think I'll... Yeah, he doesn't work out of office. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I'll get to meet him in person just yet. But, uh, yeah, I'm very excited to go meet everybody, everybody yeah. at the team. Yeah, it's good. It'll be exciting a uh, little trip. I'm, you know, please document it. I'm sure we'll have it on the, uh, on the Instagrams, maybe. Vlog, Some stories maybe? here and there. You don't see a lot of Instagram stories from you, by the way. Yeah. Not, something you're not big on, are you? No, I, did, I posted one the other day. You night. young kids, you're all Snapchatting. Snapchat. That's what you guys are yeah. all on. Yeah. That's the weirdest thing to me. You guys chat on Snap because I hate that. I'll send a message to someone. They'll answer four hours later. And I'll be like, what did I say? <laughs> I don't even know what I said to them. I've got our set so that it deletes after 24 hours. So that doesn't happen My, to well, us. Well, I'll send mine. It will be gone within four hours. I don't understand Snapchat. Not mine. Chat. Not when you chat with me. You can change that. I've okay. changed it Do in Do that on my phone after. I'm the old man here. <laughs> needs, needs a young guy to fix my phone. Yeah, there you go. All right, well, I don't think there's much else for us to dive into aside from, yeah, you're going to be gone all of next week. Yeah. So I've got some uh, I got some some things I'm working on right now for next week episode. It's going to be a lot of fun. I already have a co-host planned for one episode uh, and working on a couple of other interviews for the show as well, which should be a lot of fun uh, if these interviews come to fruition. So uh, I think we'll wrap it up there for my co-host, David Quadrelli. My name is Chris Faber, and thank you so much for listening to another episode of The Canucks Conversation. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation Delivered by DoorDash Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode How about keep it to a thank you, Jim? Mom deserves the best And there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day Than Whole Foods Market They're your destination for unbeatable savings From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers And irresistible desserts Start by saving 33% with Prime On all body care and candles Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.